This is Darrell Lalia, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast, episode 190. Hot diggity. Are you ready to be the master architect of your life? Are you ready to design your business and invest the needs that create the lifestyle you've always dreamt of? Are you ready to learn from entrepreneurs and millionaires who have achieved a certain level of success? Hey, this is Derek, location-independent entrepreneur, and you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hi, I'm Gina Lofton. I am an investor, and you're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey there, my name is Heather Havenwood, marketing coach and global entrepreneur. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. Hey, this is Mark Asquith, the host of the 7 Minute Mentor podcast, global entrepreneur and all round geek. And you are listening to the Before the Millions podcast. I am MC Lobsher, the cash flow ninja, and you're listening to Before the Millions podcast. You're listening to the Before the Millions podcast. But whether you're looking to invest for cash flow or build an online business that allows you to be location independent, you've come to the right place. Mr. Hollywood himself presents the Before the Millions podcast. And now your host, DeRay Olalaye. What is going on, good people? Welcome to a brand new installment of the Before the Millions podcast. And um, I'm starting to wonder, are property managers living a better lifestyle than real estate investors because every single property manager that we brought on the show works like a couple hours a week. Like it's amazing. Today's guest, Mr. Edward O'Daniel is a real estate investor, is a property manager. And Edward is also a coach to many people looking to get started down their real estate journey as a landlord. So he owns the website, veteranlandlord.com. And you're asking, well, what about the veteran part? Well, as a boy, Edward wanted to go to college and he found out that a way that he can go to college is by joining the army. Long story short, 18 months in, he loses his right arm. So now Edward is a disabled veteran and he's just now really beginning his life. And he's just like, man, like I'm set so far back because I'm limited where others aren't. So I'm always going to be in last place. But very early on in that process, he realized, well, if I'm not going to be the strongest or the fastest or have any of these physical capabilities to match my peers, what can I do to exceed my peers? And he found out that what he wanted to do to exceed his peers was to be smarter than his peers. So he read the popular Rich Dad, Poor Dad. And as we like to say, the rest is history. Again, today, Edward owns a property management company in the St. Louis, Missouri area, and through his networking over the past 15 years, has acquired a hefty portfolio that allowed him to quit his job. So on today's episode, we're going to discuss his entire journey and how he only works about four hours a day and how he networks to get deals, but more importantly, the property management business, some of his unique techniques for finding new clients his favorite ways to market overall, and some of his favorite marketing podcasts. We're going to talk about some pitfalls that you should watch out for when selecting a property manager or when deciding if you should manage your own properties or if you should have a property manager do it. 
What's really cool about a lot of the property managers that I've seen is similar to Edward, you know, he started out as a real estate investor managing all his own properties and realized all of his friends who also had properties were mismanaging theirs. And he was just like, man, if I can just take my systems and operations that I'm doing for my own business and extend it to their business, I have a full-fledged property management company, which again, today is now Edward's main business. So we're going to talk about some perks of the property management industry and especially the low overhead that you'll have if you do become a property manager. Now, with that being said, as you know, this podcast is all about exploring the different fields, the different tranches, the different niches here in real estate, and oftentimes more specifically real estate investing. And other times, maybe about 20% of the time, some of these different nuances such as property management, a real estate brokerage, a mortgage officer, or a contractor, if they've found a way to build lifestyle design in those fields, then we want them. But again, most of the time, all of these tranches are different real estate vehicles for investors. And if you're having trouble trying to figure out where where do I fit in all of this? Where do I get started? How do I know what's best for me? Um, I want you to take a look at my guide. It's over at beforethemillions.com forward slash newbie, N-E-W-B-I-E, beforethemillions.com forward slash newbie. And it's a completely free guide and assessment, by the way, that helps you meticulously figure out what's the best strategy for you to get started here down your real estate investing journey. Myself included, a ton of people are going to tell you that they have the best strategy that their strategy is what you should choose and what you should pick. But ultimately, they may have the best strategy. I may have the best strategy, but these are strategies that work for us in our particular situations, our particular goals, our finances, our resources. So if you head over to beforethemains.com forward slash newbie, you'll be able to pick the best strategy that works for you where you are right now, not gurus or mentors or coaches or friends or agents. (laughs) They're the worst. I'm just playing. Agents, I love you. Agent friends, don't kill me, please. Just a joke. <laughs> um, or coworkers that tell you, hey, this is the best strategy to go with. So head over to beforethemans.com forward slash guide to get complete clarity on how you yourself should start. And hey, you never know. This may be the perfect episode for you because you're looking to get into property management. But just wanted to lay that nugget on you guys really quick before we get into the meat and potatoes of this show. If you haven't yet already, make sure that you leave us a rating and review. Five stars are preferred. And with that being said, let's just go ahead and get straight to the show. And now your feature presentation. I wanted to go to college. So after I graduated high school, one of the things I saw available was the GI Bill. So I looked at it. It was offering $25,000 for paying for college. So I joined at the age of 17, which is a little bit earlier. It requires your parents' signature before you're 18. But I joined, got into the military, but my military uh, service was short-lived. I was only in there for about 18 months where I was injured. Um, my right arm was uh, was removed above the elbow in a car accident while I was serving uh, in the military. So here I am. Just just imagine yourself. You're 19 years old at this point. You now have been disabled on your primary arm, the primary arm that you write and that you've known your whole life. And now you're just thrown into a completely different category of like, what the hell do I do now? You know, what, what is it that, how do I rebuild myself back up, back up again? So I'm sitting there in the hospital just months, you know, week after week, day after day, all day long, just thinking, how am I ever going to compete 
with somebody again, you know, because I'm physically just somebody can always do it better, faster, quicker than I am because of my handicap. So that's where it just it popped into my head and it just it just hit me. I need to be able to be smarter than somebody else. I needed to know something that other people did or be able to solve problems that other people couldn't solve. And that right there would give me an advantage over other people that didn't require a physical limitation. So that's when I kind of started my whole trip toward you know going to college. I got my four-year degree, started my master's, um, and uh, I actually have a bachelor's degree in physics, didn't really use it. I know it sounds cool though, right? Wow, you're a physicist. So the physicist turned real estate person, that's me. <laughs> so, but um, going from there, um, basically what I ended up finding out is that none of the skills I was learning in my college were marketable. Like I couldn't go to the paper and say, what job am I going to be able to get for this kind of thing? So move forward here, kind of went to master's, started going to computer science route because uh, that's when computers were getting uh, kind of mainstream. And uh, again, when I was in college, it still wasn't working out here. So um, instead of going down the route I was at, I kind of dropped back and started doing all those certification courses you, you heard about 15, 20 years ago, Microsoft certified, this certified, and all these other types of certificates. So that's where I started hopping into, started hopping in and getting all of these certificates, learning all of the Microsoft software and all the other stuff that's out there and networking. And that's what really kind of got me into my first full career. That's where I actually started building my wealth is at those IT jobs. So got an entry-level job, began working up quickly throughout the ranks, started making some money. Now, let's just kind of fast forward 18 years later here. I know that's quite a, quite a jump, but 18 years in IT of building wealth, saving your money, investing like other people say they're going to do and you know in your 401k, which I did and got to a point where I didn't I we have a financial planner and I actually asked them, you know, if we were to stop investing in our four, in our retirement accounts right now, would we have enough money to retire whenever we said it? And the guy said, "Yeah. If you stop right now, granted a certain rate of return, you would be good to retire." So, that right there, that decision kind of got me to the point where it's like, hmm, I can kind of do whatever I want. I don't need a job anymore. I don't need to continue to contribute because I have enough for what we need. So that's kind of the, what started the process of moving away from the W-2 job. And at this point, I'd already been in real estate for several years, already acquired several rentals using the Burr method or what is equivalent of the Burr method, you know, 15 years ago or 12 or 13 years ago. So eventually moved into to, um, buying some rental properties before I quit my job, but it really came down to the point of you're working a job and you're going to work every single day. Even if you love what you do, it's still limiting you from having to be in a physical office or even virtual working from a certain time to a certain time and knowing that you had to be there. That for with me, that's what it came down to. It's like, I had to be here. Otherwise I wouldn't be able to make money. And I'm just thinking to myself, you know, kind of that 19 year old kid that we talked about, um, you know, what, what am I going to ask myself? What kind of a better question am I going to ask myself to, to really get myself out of this? It's just like, you know, well, what do you need? How can you start really creating wealth and eliminate this job and be able to go out and do some of these other cool things, that, you know, do real estate full time, go out and talk to people, do the things that you really want to do instead of doing them from six to nine or six to 10 o'clock at night after you got off work or trying to take a two hour lunch break to go meet with a seller and come back and get a deal done, you know, uh, all while, while you're working, that gets rather complicated. So 
that kind of got me to the point where I decided that you, you didn't pull the 5 a.m. shifts that I told you I was pulling. <laughs> no, 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 no. Um, I, I was the person that uh, I was up early. So I was the work from 10 to two o'clock in the morning uh, person. So so that was me. And then I went to bed early and, and woke up early for four or five hours sleep, trying to catch up You know, probably once a week on the weekend just to get eight hours, just to be conscious yeah, every week. But hey, it is what it is. You do what you got to do whenever you're at that point. You know, you have to use every hour that you've got, you know, to squeeze everything that you can out of it. Uh, but anyway, I, I I started buying rentals, you know, continue to buy rentals. And, you know, fast forward, I went moved into real estate. I started my own brokerage here in the St. Louis area. We manage properties for other investors as well as myself. So here we are. And now I find myself um, just, just feeling very joyful, teaching other people how to invest in rental properties. How, you know, how did I go from a W2 job to being able to run a, run a business, still um, have, um, still be involved in real estate and then have, you know, passive income from your rental portfolio. How do you do all that? And then not only that, how do you not make those really stupid mistakes that you beat yourself up every single time when you think 10 years ago, everybody's done it. That one mistake that you didn't know, that you didn't know, that one little piece of information that could have saved you thousands. I should have invested in Bitcoin. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. You know, if you're going back and uh, throwing 10 grand in that, right? You yeah. know, that would have been that would have been something back then. But that's the kind of stuff I love being able to help people out with because you can accelerate so much faster when you know the road ahead and you know the potholes to miss. Yeah. So that's one of the things I really help enjoying people is getting people started to getting the mindset right. Because if you're going to own rental property, depending on what you're going to do, if you're going to manage it yourself versus having a property manager do it, that truly is a mind shift change. And you, I tell people, you better make that decision right off the bat. You know, make the decision whether you're going to do one way or the other way, because you're going to need, you know, they both have different paths and they both have different tasks associated with them on how you can grow your business. So uh, that's where I am today. And that, that's what kind of got me up to wanting to build and create a veteran landlord site, which is just a, a free site that's out there for people that says, hey, go take a look at it. If you want to be a landlord, this is what you're going to need to be involved with. And if you don't want to do this, then don't bother trying to be your own landlord. If you don't want to do this stuff that I'm talking about on this site, which you know I give details in, if you don't want to do this, then just have a property manager manage it for you and be the investor. You know, don't, don't try to manage it yourself. Don't try to learn all the stuff that you think you're going to learn because you're going to be spending a lot of time learning something that you probably are not going to want to use or even feel passionate about. You see what I mean? I mean, sometimes people want to spend their time and energy on building deals and finding deals and getting properties um, into their portfolio and spending all their time doing that instead of managing tenants moving people in and out, meeting with inspectors and contractors and things like that. Sometimes people think that can be a waste of time. Absolutely. So let's get back into your story, Edward. When you say that, and I, I may have missed it, you talk about a, a being a, um, owning a brokerage. What type of brokerage did you own? Or do you uh, Just a, a real estate brokerage. Um, and in my state, you have to be a licensed agent in order to manage rental property for other people. So oh, we just, okay. we, I, I created a real estate brokerage just for the purpose of property managing it. And then um, just being able to buy and sell for our clients. So that, okay, that's so you do, all so, Okay. Got it. So you're, you're, it's, it's, all, it's like a full service brokerage. I like that. Correct. And we even have um, just a small, a small company that we use to do turnkeys. If we want to buy, fix up and sell uh, properties to our clients, if they're looking for it, you know, we can source it and actually get it fixed up and sell it to them and then start managing ourselves. 
that's not really a, a big part of what we do, but I mean, it's something that we can do. So, I mean, we're looking at you started grow. thinking about growing out all these different, I guess, uh, tranches or arms of your business. I mean, it started and it's still the main business, right? You do a lot of fixing and rehabbing. You said you do the birth strategy, but you're doing some wholesaling as well, correct? Well, we don't do as much wholesaling right now. We're just trying to focus on uh, our, our goal right now is to really help our clients build a, a successful passive income real estate portfolio. That's it. You know, we try to get it under control, handle their maintenance so it, they can basically make money in their portfolio. I know that's kind of uh, strange. You don't often hear that from a property manager that um, that's our goal. Of course, we need to make money in what we do, but our primary goal is to stabilize the properties that we do have so our clients can make money and then help them acquire more. And that so, helps everybody out. So when you think about what your, you, you personally, Edward, when you think about what your primary uh, business function is like when you, when you go into work, like what you're more so focused on, you more so focused on build, building that clientele for your property management company or finding more deals for your real estate marketing. In our business, we're all client focused. So right now I'm just servicing the needs of our clients. Some of our clients don't want to grow right now. Other ones are passively looking for property. So because we know they're looking for property because we communicate with them well, we also are in touch with a lot of wholesalers in our area and so forth that we can use to extend and find deals for them and then pull them in, you know, pull them in and source them from other people in our local, local market. What was the, the turning point for you when you decided, Hey, like I've, you know, I've done the burst strategy a few times and I'm enjoying these returns. I'm enjoying my rentals. I'm enjoying kind of how things are going, but there's an opportunity here, whether it's, you know, for one reason or another, what was kind of that, turning point for you to shift into the property management space? This is actually going to be kind of uh, funny, but um, the reason why we even create, uh, the reason why I even created a brokerage and started moving into property management is because all the other, uh, my friends, all the other friends that own rental properties, just every time we got together and just talked about business and so forth, they always, always complained about how their property managers suck. They just, how bad they are. They charge me for this. They don't do this. They don't do that. And I'm just like, I kept telling them, I, I don't have that problem. Because at this time, I wasn't managing other people's. I was just managing my own portfolio. So I set my system up to be very optimal in how I did things with little to no effort or time, just paying for services and so forth. But they're just like, you know, well, fine. Why don't you, you know, start managing my properties and I'll pay you to do that. So a lot of our friends just, you know, they wanted to find a good property management company that had good solid systems. So I said, okay, that, that sounds interesting. Let me, uh, let me do the paperwork, submit it to the state and kind of get our brokerage open and started bringing everybody on board I love it. and just started growing it from there. Speaking to the less active part of the business, how are you marketing for real estate deals today? Um, right now, it's strictly through our uh, networking, just through our investor networks. And the other people we have relationships with because we we get deals from them and they also drive their clients to us as a as a synergistic relationship so they know that they're going to sell more properties to these people and they know that we're going to take care of them on the back end so a lot of our stuff is just strictly networking at this particular point so it's not like we're going out and sourcing things through direct mail or anything like that we just build a, a real estate agent and investor network that we reach out and say hey guys this is what i'm looking for Who's got something that I could uh, sell my client? 
how are you how are you reaching out to your network whenever this does happen are you calling people individually are you sending a mass email how does that look well it depends i mean if if we if i know if i've already got an email from somebody i'll give them a call but for the most part if i a couple of people i'll just send them a text message like hey do you have anything like that because that's the quickest way to get a hold of them or we, we would just send a mass email out to everybody you know here's what we're looking for here's the areas here's the property types things like that because we may have a couple of different people looking for different properties in different areas so you know we'll put all that stuff in source in one email and then start getting as we get return emails back from deals that they've got in their pipeline you know we'll look to get those sourced besides the organic ways now shifting to the to the main business the property management business slash the brokerage besides the organic ways of networking are you doing anything specifically i know you're not in the real estate space as far as acquiring properties because all of it is coming from uh, clientele and networking but in mm -hmm. when you're to acquire more clientele for the property management company are you doing anything specifically as far as like uh, any type of guerrilla marketing or online marketing right so i mean we, we've got our agency working just to do our search engine optimization you know we try to keep up with um, we're on the you know mid page of uh, Google on the first page for most of the keywords that we want to focus on. So that's the big one. It's just to make sure that people from um, and out of the U.S. can find you if they're searching for people in St. Louis. So that's the first thing that we try to focus on. The other things are just all the to be honest, the Google platforms, the Google My Business. You know, we try to really grow that business and start getting a lot of views from that one to grow organically. We've done direct mail marketing. It hasn't really worked out as well as we thought. Um, I'm sure a lot of people get direct mail, but we do target certain people depending on who they are at times. So especially people who own more than one property. So, we, you know, we'll pull a list and send to them if they own more than a couple of properties in a certain area and see if we can't pull them in with just a, a complimentary strategy call. Absolutely. So I imagine, Edward, that there are six million things going on in each of your you know, tranches of your business at one time. And I know that you're not the only person that's handling all this. When did you first seek or maybe somebody sought you out as a partner to be able to take on maybe some of the load or half the load or I, you know again i know that you have different tranches of the business so how did how did you first create the first partnership well with me i don't really have a partnership within my business um i just kind of expanded and started growing office personnel property managers and just try to grow to be a leader for them try to create a culture where it's fun it's exciting we know what we're focusing on once we're focusing on our clients, that becomes very clear when we make decisions uh, about doing things. Is this in the best interest of our client? So that's kind of what we have. We just try to have a good time. You know, inside of our company, we try not to make it so we're very busy every day with dealing with things. But um, I just try to build, you know, build a good company culture. Inside yeah, so you're the sole company. owner and then you got everybody else or you got employees. There's no, Correct. there's nobody else. And virtual assistants, yeah. Got it. I love that. Okay. Awesome. That's kind of how I run my business. But I noticed that most people who do what you're doing, they start, they do have partners because there's just so many different things to handle, but you've been able to do it all by yourself. So that brings me to my next question. Sure. When you feel stressed, when you feel unfocused, when you feel overwhelmed, what, what do you, what things do you do to get yourself back in alignment? And if it helps, what questions do you ask yourself? <clears throat> well, the first thing I do whenever I kind of get stressed and focus on is I have to just sit down and this is just me. I have to just close my eyes and pray for a little bit. Just, you know, hey, I'm, I'm, you know, I'm losing focus here. God, please, you know, get me focused again, set me straight. And literally, for me, I would go out and, and just do something as simple as walking and listening to one of my favorite um, podcasts. You know, just get out of the office, focus on it, walk outside, listen to things, listen to my podcast, or go to the gym, exercise, just 
kind of really just get my mind off of something. What I find is um, I get more focused when I get distracted on something else or blank my mind out, then I can come back a lot more focused afterwards. So I typically have to walk away for a little bit. You know, once you get to that point, just shut things down, maybe take a couple hour break. Um, even if it's just go for a drive on a nice day, you know, just feel the wind in your face, just something that you could just enjoy the world, something bigger than yourself, yeah. if that makes sense. So it's not all about you. There is things bigger than you and your problems. <laughs> I love it. I love it. What are some of your favorite non-real estate podcasts? Oh, well, I would have to say Russell Brunson's marketing podcast is one I, I like listening to uh, just because I, I love listening to the marketing aspect, not just so real estate specific, just how do you reach the people? How do you serve people and things like that? Um, I like, um, oh, I'm thinking uh, it's, it's, I'm going to get it wrong here, but Garrett White's um, Warrior. Um, huh. Garrett White, um, he's, if you are, you've, you've heard of Garrett White? I, I may have heard him in passing, but I don't know. Um, what like, was. Um, his uh, his um, Warrior something or other, you know, it's, he's got a Warrior podcast and he's very good um, business type tips, just how to, how to, not business, I would say. He just has tips on his podcast that really can help you get your mind right that it kind of applies to men. He's all about um, uh, just men and men in business and men with families. He focuses on that. So those are a couple that I listen to. And then, of course, I always uh, love hopping on Tony Robbins. Um, I'm a big fan of his for years. So I'll hop on his podcast just to kind of get your mind right. You know, not just about real estate, take your mind off that, even take your mind off business. Just focus on, you know, how people serve other people and how serving other people you can achieve greatness yourself. I love that. Absolutely. When you think about your industry, your niche, right? What are some bad recommendations that you hear in your professional area of expertise that you just want to kind of set the record straight for my podcast listeners today? Like, hey, like I often hear this in, in my space and I just want to clear this up because too many people are saying this and it's completely false or it's completely wrong or should be thought about in this kind of way. What are some of those things? Boom. My biggest pet peeve, um, I, again, I'm in the St. Louis, Missouri area. So Midwest, you know, prices of properties are you know pretty reasonable compared to what we get for rent. So it's a great rental market. What I hate people throwing out in my market, to be honest, is when they say turnkey rental, you know, buy it and, and start making double digit rates of return on your particular property. And although that's true, it's false in the sense that people lose cash flow because of the, um, un, the, the deferred maintenance that you have on those properties. All they're trying to do is sell you a property with a tenant in it. And who knows if any of the systems have been updated or any of the things have been done. So now what you end up doing is you buy it with cash. It looks good on paper. You know, it looks really good cash flowing 20, 25% until the maintenance starts hitting. And then that's where people start getting angry at me because I'm like, well, we need 2000 to fix this. We need a thousand to fix that. And that really affects our cash flow. So the, one of the things is just the deceptiveness of the term turnkey rentals whenever you do it. I really, my idea of a turnkey rental and what other people's are, are different. So I'd like to make sure on my turnkey rentals that all of the major systems have been repaired. And for the most part, when you buy it, you're going to get, it's a very good chance that you've got five years of little to no maintenance once you buy a property, unless the, the tenants or whatever just destroy it for whatever reason. But I think that's the biggest thing in my area People call me or they want me to look at a property because it, it looks good. You know, hey, uh, I'm buying it for 40000 and it rents for 900 You know, it's like, well, 
how many of those properties can you buy? That sounds great, you know, when you think about it with all your expenses. But what you don't know is that thing has fifteen to eighteen thousand dollars worth of deferred maintenance that are going to kill your cash flow. Yeah. And when people invest in that, what they find is that they'll invest one time, and then I'll get them, and I'll work with them to get it fixed up, and then it will spoil them. They're going to just they say real estate's crap. You know, this doesn't work because of the one thing that they didn't get me involved with first. Because as my client, as a property manager, I want, I want to source that property for you. Don't just buy it. Bring it to me first so I can evaluate the area. I can tell you what it's going to be. And I can look at it to, to tell you if it's going to be a good deal for you or not. So that's one of my, the biggest things I would say about people is just be cautious. When you look at just purchase price versus rent amount, there's a lot of other stuff behind the scenes, even if it's rented, please. Because if they rent it, lo and behold, a couple months later when they move out, now you've got thousands of dollars worth of expenses that you didn't know about. And then that can, again, spoil your cash flow for years. Aside, from bad, aside from bad tenants, is, is the inspection the, 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 the fail safe in this type of scenario? Like if you didn't have bad tenants yeah. with inspection? No, no. Be the and absolutely. I mean, if you, if you do the inspection, just you know, make sure that you understand the cost that you have going into it. Just make sure that whatever you're doing, especially if you're, you know, if you're trying to do the burn method or stuff like that, or you're buying it and then want to refinance it later, just make sure that you put all of those deferred maintenance costs into your purchase price. Yeah. That's, the, that's the biggest thing I tell people. Finance all of that expense at once at these low interest rates that we have right now over 30 years so that your cash flow that you calculate in your spreadsheet for your whatever analyzer you use, that's an actual cash flow that you can count on for the next five years. I like it. I like it. Edward, walk me through a typical day. What is? I know every day is different as, as an entrepreneur, but what, what a typical day is you like to structure it, what it typically would look like from the time you wake up to maybe the time you lay your head on your pillow. What does that look like? Okay. Well, for me, I pretty much start my day somewhere in the 5 to 6 a.m. range. Um, I'm just a natural, natural early riser. I like to get up and just sit back and just have a couple cups of coffee. I'm a coffee drinker myself. So um, throw some bulletproof stuff in there and uh, there get, some, get some fat in my coffee uh, in the morning, but just kind of wake up and just enjoy it. I like watching the sunrise. You know, I just kind of like that whole process of kind of get my day right. But I do kind of start, you know, that's probably up to around 7 or so in that range. And then at seven, I start looking at, you know, what can I do to prep my team for the day so I can kind of get them up and going and, you know, kind of get- Who are you primarily communicating with? Um, Well, just the property managers and the the office staff. So just, you know, here's some of the things that um, I see because we kind of have built some custom dashboards that we look at for all of our properties and the different states. Podio? No, no, just, just Excel. I mean, nothing's, nothing as fancy as that, but just built it. Um, it's, again, it's not very fancy, but it at least gives us an overview of everything we have going on with our business and then knowing what's going to happen, what inspections we've got, what things we've got, we're still working on to follow up with contractors about, and then knowing what to communicate with our clients about. You know, so you're hey, done with that by... That. I'm sorry, go ahead. You're done with that by what, 9, 10? Oh, no, that's... Um, by the time I do that, it'll be you know probably around 9. By the time I communicate with the team or we have a video conference call to kind of set the tone for the week or the day, typically it's once a week. Um, and then if we need to have one off, you know, we'll, we'll kind of hop on for 10 or 15 minutes for the quick call to kind of uh, make sure that everybody knows where they're going and what they're doing, getting questions answered. Okay. What's next? Well, after that is when I try to sit back, depending on the weather, either, you know, go out and listen to my podcast and take, take a walk, you know, go to the gym, something like that. And 
for the most part, just kind of uh, enjoy my day, try to get some reading in for the day. I've got family here, so I'm sure that I've got stuff around the honeydew list. If uh, For those people who are married, <laughs> you've got a little list that you do. So try to squeeze some of those stuff in. Um, get the, My kids are older, so you know, just kind of interact with my kids throughout the day because they're a little bit older. They have their own cars. They still live at home, so they come and go, and I try to have as much time with them as I, as I can. But just respond to different particular clients and even uh, look to finding some other deals. You know, if we want to start doing some flip deals and so forth and then start moving into some of our other business. Like I said, a veteran landlord, how, how can we improve that? How can we serve other people better? And being able to just sit down and just think about that or even network and meet with some of the local people in the area like realtors just to explain our business services, things like that. Yeah. So, so, you, so you, how many hours would you say you typically work in a day? Oh, I, I probably, oh, that's a good question. Well, certain days are different, but let's just say on average, maybe four to five. That's not bad. You know, of actual working. That's not bad at all. I said, that's not bad at all. No, but I mean, that, that's just like working, working, um, like sort of in your business, you know, mm-hmm. all my other time I spend hours after that working on my business. So, I mean, I, th- those are two different separations. So if you want to include both of those, you know, I could work eight or 10 hours a day, <laughs> you know, if, if you want to include both of them. But um, I, I really, I, I, of course, I need to make sure that the, the in your business part gets done and people kind of know, you know, and I get everybody situated so they can do their job effectively. But I like pulling back a little bit. I like kind of taking a step or two back and looking at everything going on to just say, is this how I really want things to go forward? With? But I, I more or less want to focus my, this is, could be a whole other subject, but I like to focus my business around my life, not my life around my business. Right. So that's why I try to sit back and strategically put it in place on certain parts of the day where it doesn't interfere with other parts of my family so that I can cut the day off at three or four o'clock in the afternoon and be done if I want to. Or if my family's busy, I can work till nine o'clock, you know, doing other things, creating content, creating some videos if, if that's what I, what I feel like for that day. What's the number one reason, Edward, why you, um, you hold steadfast on St. Louis and you haven't looked at any other markets? I don't need to look at any other markets. I mean, to be honest, I mean, Does I it just, go back I to don't. lifestyle design. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's just me. I mean, right now I'm i I'm, I'd like to think of myself just as a little bit more realistic. I don't really have the, the dreams of being a billionaire, you know, right now, I just want to be able to have a very good life, do the money that allows me and my wife to travel and do the things that we want to do. And that's all I need. I, I don't need to be the richest man in the graveyard. I don't need to to build organizations that are so high that that cost you so much money every month just to run these machines. And that's one of the things I, I, uh, if people want to do that, that's fine. But I I know people who run businesses that have, you know, 20, 30, $50,000 worth of overhead every single month that that business has to net, you know, even to break even. And that's a stressor that personally, I just didn't want. You know, I, I run the business service related businesses and that's what I like. We provide a service we we treat our clients very well and we get recommendations and we grow. Yeah. I love it. I love it. I love this kind of ecosystem that you've built now for some of our listeners who are looking to, you know, aspire to do what you've done. What, what advice do you have for maybe a brand new listener or a brand new investor who's just like, yes, I want more of, you know, I want this lifestyle design, but maybe through a, maybe through management rather than ownership, right? Um, because I think that, again, you made that switch and obviously you still own a whole lot of property and you still, you still, you know, 
are looking for property, but your 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 crux is that property management piece. And you know, for some of our listeners who want again that similar business model and they're just now starting out, what advice do you have for them? Just you really have to sit back and and ask yourself your your big question why. I hate bringing that stuff up and making it sound like everybody else, but what is your why? Why do you want to start this company? Is it to make money? Is that why you want to start the company? If that's the case, there's probably other ways of making money that doesn't involve such work and overhead involved with it. So that's the one thing you have to ask yourself. But do you want to be involved in real estate? Is there a whole lot of, I'm sorry, is there a whole lot of overhead in property management? No, no, there's not. I mean, you've got to have software as a service. I mean, yeah, we probably have, what, two grand, I guess, a month, maybe $2,500 for the total overhead cost. Um, in our software services. Now, employee costs are higher than that. But I mean, just software that we need to create the systems that I talk about on the veteran landlord, all those marketing systems, leasing systems, maintenance systems, all these things to, that you can have to keep working. That's not a whole lot for me. Um, and it's not like a $20,000 you know, break-even point. So that's why we can be profitable and we don't have to worry about it. It's not very a whole lot of money because I, I know exactly what I'm trying to do. And that's what I try to teach to other people. Don't go crazy, you know, use the free or the other services. But to get back to what you're saying, the question of what, why would you want to start this? Ask yourself, what is it that you really want to do? Myself, I'd started this because I wanted a solid property management company that manages my own rentals. Because, and I'm going to be biased here, I didn't know anybody else in the area that was as good as me to manage it for me. So I created my own business and my own system to handle that moving forward. And my goal here over the next year or two is to step away, put somebody in my place that does what I do. And there's the partnership I'm looking for. Okay, (laughs) there you go. So there you go. Then um, that's that's exactly what I'm looking to do. But we have a little bit more uh, fine tuning to do. But yeah, that's what I want to do. Step away, and then I can focus completely on you know going out and talking to people, helping people understand what to do, what to you know. Sorry. I'm kind of diverting off your question here, but if you want to get back into to real estate and property management, you really, if you, I'm an extrovert, you know, if you're an introvert, don't get into this business. Cause I mean, right now it's going to be very challenging for you talking to sellers, talking I mean, to an introvert. Huh? introvert. Yes. So, I mean, uh, you know, if, if that's the case, you're going to find this business challenging, just yeah. real estate in general, not even property management, because you have to be verbose. You have to be, charismatic you, you know when you're talking to people you have to be dynamic and you're speaking and, and adjust and model your people that you're talking to and sometimes you know certain people just aren't good at that and if that's not a skill you're willing to learn then don't get into real estate focus on something else that's a behind the scenes and maybe you're the partner the silent partner that does all the back end stuff and then you have another partner more verbose or you know um, that can handle all the front end stuff and talk to the clients and stuff like that. So that would be a good partnership. But I enjoy property management because I really want to help people achieve financial freedom. And I just, I don't need to go across the country to do it. I live in a great market. I can find people. We've got a lot of properties here. We can, uh, we can sell and manage and, and I just don't need to look anywhere else. What is maybe the best or maybe as a, as a property manager or somebody mm-hmm. aspiring to be a property manager slash investor, what is the best or maybe one of the most worthwhile investments you've ever made in yourself again as it pertains to this field it can be an investment of time it can be an investment of money it can be an investment of energy but what is the best or most worthwhile investment that you've made as you started down this path to make sure that you can become a successful property manager and this is how i got started read rich dad poor dad 
if you haven't already. Mm-hmm. So that book kind of really changed my whole model of uh, just business and finances and real estate. And that's really kind of what kind of catapulted me and launched me is reading that book kind of really got my mind changed. But just if you really want to sit back and, and be a property manager and you want to be an investor, just understand that you're providing good, solid housing for people. You're helping people. You're helping families, having those family memories that people talked about having those nice Christmases. Well, they're having that inside of your house. You're providing good, good, solid housing for people. And that right there is, is a benefit. You're, you're really serving people and you're being served yourself because, you know, you're getting all the benefits while helping other people out at the same time. I love it. One last question before we get to the last and final round. You sure. Know, you talk about your story and, you know, the the tragic, um, you know, incident when you lost your arm. And I'm just like, man, like there's so many people who have their story to tell that, you know, one thing or, or another is the reason why they can't move forward and they shouldn't move forward. And, you know, um, I just want you to maybe provide some words of encouragement for these individuals because you, 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 you shifted your mindset almost immediately on a dime to be like, okay, well now I can't compete with anybody to know there are ways that I can compete and I need to find those ways to be better, to be faster, to, to, again, to prosper in life. And you, 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 you flip that switch. What advice do you have to anybody who's maybe at any type of disadvantage or they feel as though they're at a disadvantage and it's causing a mental block for them in moving forward? Either ask yourself a better question or find somebody that can help you ask yourself a better question. Because only when you ask yourself that better question, do you unlock those thoughts in your mind that's going to get you to where you want to go. So you can't just be thinking to yourself, woe is me. What am I going to do? You know, what am I going to do now? That's not going to be any benefit to you. When you start asking yourself, and this is this goes back to the rich dad, poor dad kind of book, how can I be better than somebody else? By just change, asking yourself that better question. So like myself, I'm sitting there um, just, again, I'm, I lost my right arm. I was right-handed. So I couldn't even write. I couldn't do anything. I wasn't ambidextrous. I, you know, I, if you ever tried to write with your other hand, you probably look really silly because it just wasn't used to it. But knowing that I had to start over, you already have some of the fundamental knowledge. You know, you can you can start over again. If you think back to you know when you were a little kid, what did you do to learn how to write? You know, you had that little tablet with the dotted lines, and you wrote the little a, and you you printed the little b and the little c. Well, I literally had to start from there again. So it took me three and a half months of, you know, going, I had, I had somebody go buy me some of those books. Oh, that was going to ask with my hand. How long did it take? I, <laughs> yeah. I taught myself, you know, in about three and a half months, how to print legibly and then how to do purses and sign. Person was a whole other thing, but I had the skills inside me. I just had to reteach myself to do it a different way. Yeah. And it even took me, it took me a long time to kind of get, get my body used to it, but ask yourself better questions. You know, how can I compete with other people? And that led me down the path of just saying, I have to be, I have to know how to do something that doesn't require to be, have anything physical involved with it. Well, then that's the only thing left on my opinion was mental. I had to know how to do something better. And that means I had to be smarter and there was nothing wrong with my mind. So that, that is what I can grow. So I would say there's so many people out there that are just, um, I guess, mentors and just, you know, people with disability and how they've been. I'm just astonished when I see people like that. You know, people look at me and they go, how can you do this kind of stuff? And I'm just like, I look at other people. It's like, what I had to do was easy compared to that person. Look what that person had to go through and what they've done. 
I mean, you have people without any arms driving cars, you know, using their feet to do everything. I couldn't even imagine doing that, but there are people out there that do that. Right. So anyway, you, you, you know, necessity is the mother of invention is that uh, phrase goes. So you, when you have to, you know, you, you'll make a plan and you, you'll make something happen if you want to move forward with it. This episode is brought to you by the 90X Journal. It is a little known fact that you are 42% more likely to achieve your goals when you write them down consistently. In fact, Forbes describes this as one of the most potent ways to achieve your goals. I actually tried a few of those iPhone journaling apps, but it wasn't the same for me. For some reason, I needed something more visceral, something more concrete. And you can call me old school or you can look at it as a form of brain hacking. But a physical journal has been key to the consistent achievement of my quarterly goals. The thing, though, about physical journals is that they aren't all made the same. And I ran through just as many different types of journals as I did apps, and none of them checked the boxes. Personally, I needed something that would help me create a step-by-step plan to achieve any goal in 90 days. I needed something that would help me decide on these goals, decipher the most important ones, time block, and then prioritize. And that's when I found the 90X journal, the only journal that not only has a sleek look that demands compliments, but it's not just arm candy. From a vision board, an income tracker, to a 90-day calendar assistant, to habit trackers and affirmations, this journal does it all. And for the BTM tribe, I was able to snag you a sweet discount to try your first one or restock for next quarter. Visit Before the Millions dot com forward slash nine zero x and enter code millions 15 at checkout that's before the millions.com forward slash 90 x and enter the code millions 15 with the numbers written out one five at checkout now since i've started doing these two things rewriting my goals every single day and using the journal's built-in water consumption tracker i've had a clear mind and clear skin LOL. Again, visit beforethemillions.com forward slash 90X and enter code millions15 at checkout for 15% off of your entire order. Lifestyle design acceleration hacks. What is your favorite Before the Millions book? Before the Millions book. Uh, I'm thinking of the books. Now, again, I would have to go back to just, again, I already mentioned it, just the, my Rich Dad, Poor Dad book. Yeah. You know, that right there is, is the fundamental. I don't think if I would have had the same expression, if I would have read another book first on that one here. That's still one of my favorites. I read it every couple of years or listen to it on, on audiobook. But um, some of the books I just read, I'm um, going through um, Traction right now. Um, if you've, uh, that's, but that's a little bit more higher advanced that goes over you know, how to run an office and, and things like that. So I'm just trying to learn how to build a better culture when I'm learning that. But um, I would say for Chad Portet, just, you know, right now is the first thing that comes to mind. Love it. We'll put that in the show notes, ladies and gents. What is your favorite lifestyle design app? This can be a business app or tool. I don't use a whole lot of apps. How about Google Sheets? You, you no, no, I mean, just, um, I've, I've got several apps, but I mean, ultimately, I, I think right now we're on the Microsoft platform. So I just really enjoy my, um, we use Teams 
Teams is just a, a collaborative uh, effort. That's how we communicate um, because we're using that platform. We don't use Slack or anything because this basically takes the same place as that. But I would say Teams, it keeps me involved on the mobile app between everybody and allows me to respond quicker to it. And then gives me a list of all the tasks for everybody, what they're doing and status updates of those dashboards. I can access all of that within the, the app. So I think that would probably be a good one because it keeps me connected with my team. Let me know where they're at and so forth. What do you enjoy most about the way your lifestyle is currently designed? I love the fact that if I wanted to, I can reduce the amount of hours that I work every day, even more than where I am right now. And just by putting more, I work more on in my business because I want to make sure that my team is working and they're not getting overloaded because I care about my team. And, my, uh, and I think that comes through in their responsiveness back to me. You know, they understand that caring and they want to put forth more effort because they know they're they're needed and what they're doing is important. So I just think I love the fact that I could go away. Literally, my entire um, business is designed virtually. Um, I don't have any brick and mortar stores. I don't have anything. We're 100% technology. I could be anywhere in the world and run my business the way I do right now. Yeah, I love it. So, I, I, love, mean, the, I, I love the oxymoron. I, I own a real estate business that's entirely virtual. <laughs> 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 I'm the same way. So I, I can appreciate that. But well, no, I mean, literally I run it on, I, I ran it on a cruise ship. We went on a cruise ship for two weeks, you I know, love just, it. you know, internet, I can do phone calls, audio calls just as I need to. It works perfectly fine. I've done it. <laughs> I love it. I love it. The ultimate lifestyle design. And that's what the show is all about. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? Say that one more time. I'm sorry. What were the sacrifices that you knew you had to make before the millions to get to where you are today? It's, it's putting in your time and your craft. Um, right now, you, you don't learn anything by just doing it once or twice. It requires dedication. But unfortunately, most people don't have the privilege of working exclusively on that. So most of the time, like myself, I had to work in my IT job you know, nine to five, sometimes even more depending on what we had going on. And then I had my family, which I had two daughters and my wife that I still had to be home for. And then after that, now I had to sit back and sacrifice my sleep time, my personal time, things like that to, you know, when everybody went to bed at 9.30 or 10 or something like that, I had to, you know, pump the cup of coffee and I had to go from 10 to two o'clock learning new things about real estate, learning this, watching videos from other people, watching training material from people who I were mentoring me at the time. That's the time that I had to put forth. So I had to sacrifice sleep a lot of times when I was younger to get to where I needed to go. And sometimes I sacrifice even my family time. Now, had I known how to do that differently? Sure. I would have, I, I think I would have not sacrificed the family time because I realized I could have done it outside of family time. That was just more convenient for me. So if I could take it back, I wouldn't have taken the family time out. I would have probably taken more sleep time out because I could have survived. And there are some things I missed. I wish I wouldn't have. Wisdom, wisdom, wisdom. Who was essential to your growth before the millions and why? That's a good question. Who was essential? I would have to sit back. The only thing I, that just keeps popping in my mind is my wife. I mean, right now, if, if you're looking to do the millions, you can't do that if it violates 
your relationship with the family that you have. See, this you talked about an oxymoron earlier. Other people talk about, you know, I'm spending time away from my family so I can build success and riches to spend more time with my family when that's not what you're even doing. You know, you have the time right now to spend time with your family, but now you're saying I'm taking time away from my family and sacrificing that so I can learn more to have more money to be able to spend more time with my family. Well, when is that going to be exactly? So I think my wife is, you know, having her support and having her understanding of where I was going was essential to to me um, kind of doing that. If I didn't have that, then my mind wouldn't have been right. I wouldn't have been able to focus on stuff because I would have always been thinking about other things that would have distracted me. So I'd probably have to say my wife on that. I love it. Last but not least. Why oh, you- last one really? <laughs> yes, sir. We unfortunately we're coming to an end, but this is a good one. So awesome. Why do you think so many of us are stuck before the millions, even though we have every intention of getting to the millions? <sighs> okay. Um, it's because everybody tries to. I'm just trying to phrase this right. Everybody wants to sort of recenter themselves back on what they feel comfortable with. They never want to get outside of their comfort zone and push their comfort level up to the next level. So if this is the lifestyle that you've always had, then you find it hard moving up to the next lifestyle. Some people just think, well, I've never lived that way. I don't know if I could afford it. it and so it's really just a, a change in your mindset um, from, uh, from, from doing that. But it's like people always try to naturally progress back down to where they always have been, which is why you see lottery winners who win a lot of money. You figure if you win $20 million or whatever, you know, you can have whatever lifestyle you want. Wrong. You know, people, that's why those people eventually go broke because they always, even though they got pushed out of their comfort zone into an area where now they're rich and they can afford anything, they don't know how to deal with that. So now they want to fall back to where they used to be before they got the millions. And that's how they end up losing everything. So really it requires a mind shift and giving yourself permission to sit back and be more, have more, and also understanding that there's nothing wrong in that. You know, you having more than what somebody else has doesn't mean you're a bad person. It doesn't, and that's one of those limiting beliefs I ha- even had when I was um, kind of growing up. I told you, growing up with a single mother didn't have a whole lot of money um, for that one. So people who had money, I just, you don't really know how to handle it. How do you know how to handle, you know, every day you can go out and buy whatever you want, whenever you want. That's a whole lot of <laughs> different thinking than where people are right now. So just giving yourself permission to sit back and, and enjoy the stuff that you've earned is, is what's going to push you out of that comfort zone and allow you to achieve more and, and get up to where you want to be. I love that answer so much. This has been a fantastic podcast episode. I cannot thank you enough for coming on the show, sharing your work. I appreciate work it, Brett. And yeah. It, it, yeah, it's been truly inspirational. I'm going to have to go back and listen to it a few times. If the listeners want to learn a little bit more about you, they want to um, check in with you, check out your website, or maybe say hi, ask you a question or two, where can they find some of your information? Oh, right now I'm a, I'm a big Facebook person. So you know, hit me up on Facebook. I've got a, a business page there. Uh, you can go to edwardodaniel.com. Um, and um, that site's actually being redesigned right now, but hopefully in about a couple of weeks that should be up. And then just veteran landlord. Um, I really try to put everything out to the veteran landlord, offer free services and so forth, because I really want people to have just a free tool that I know is good, you know, that uh, is sort of Edward or Daniel approved that, hey, these are the things that you can do to run your business if you want to that are free or low cost. You know, how we talked about not going into debt. I'm not a big person necessarily of 
going into huge amounts of debt to start your business. I don't believe in that. There's a lot of free services and tools that, that people can start out there very effectively. Use those, you know, even to grow up to a, a seven-figure business. You know, still using those free tools. I love so, that. I love that. I love that. I'd love if people hit me up. Absolutely here. So thanks so much for having me, Dore. Absolutely. And ladies and gentlemen, the links to everything that we discussed on today's episode will be in the show notes. Mr. Edward O'Daniel, thank you so much for coming on the show. We appreciate your time and we will talk to you very, very soon. Have a great day, guys.